Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1343. Oh, there's too many threes in there for me. (laughs) (laughs) Our episode is entitled The Sons of Silence. And our podcast title is A Quiet Place Pod 2. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And yeah, we're going to have a look at the sequel to the scary, scary horror movie of a few years ago now. Yeah, the long-awaited sequel because this this baby's been pushed back almost a year, year and a half or something like that. Mm. And some other little bits and bobs around the place. I wanted to mention and congratulate the Chinese National Space Administration, SINUSA, <laughs> for the uh, successful landing of Tianwen-1, which is a Mars-rover-lander combination with the Zurong rover built into it. And this makes mm-hmm. them only the third terrestrial, at least, puny humans. Mm-hmm. The third puny human space nation to land in a soft fashion, (laughs) a spaceship upon Mars and get telemetry back from it. I think the um, obviously the uh, United States has done that before. Uh, The Russians managed to get the craft down there softly, but then it stopped functioning afterwards. So, you know, and this is pretty. Cool, a big effort because this is their first actual interplanetary spacecraft mission. So, nice. Yeah. And it's it's a fairly typical sort of mission in terms of its scientific objectives. Obviously, they're going to have a little trundle around Mars with a rover. And I, I believe it's already been deployed from the pictures that I've seen. I think they've mm-hmm. had a bit of stuttering telemetry at the start, but now it's it seems to be solid enough. So they're going to be looking at um, the geological structure of Mars using uh, ground-penetrating radar and to do a bit of sampling. They're going to study the atmosphere, and this is obviously in combination with the orbiter. Mm -hmm. So you can do a lot when you've got those sort of combo missions. And, you know, they they did the usual sort of hellacious landing. It must be... It's so terrifying for the scientists and the engineers and the technicians behind these missions as the as the ship's going in because you just don't know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's already happened, you know. So it's like, uh, I can I can see why they call it uh, however many minutes of terror mm-hmm. that it is. And, of course, it's got cameras and magnometers to study the magnetic field, spectrometers and you know all that's all that good stuff. I don't think this one's got a drone uh, helicopter on it though, like the recent American one. So you know, but it'll be very interesting to see what kind of information they can get out of this one. So well Absolutely. done, you know. I mean, this is 
they got there and it's not easy to do. We take that for granted. Absolutely. Hmm. So, Megan, what do you have for us? Yes. So I thought I would, I saw some bits and bobs of Netflix related news. So I thought I'd share some of that. A couple of things that got me pretty excited about the year to come and the different things Netflix has in its little cupboard to release to us. So the first thing, of course, is just an announcement. So Enola Holmes, uh, the sister of some of our our favourite detectives, Sherlock Holmes, uh, and a detective in her own right and a feisty one at that. So we actually really enjoyed that film when we watched it on Netflix and covered it on the show a little while ago. And I think it was very well received by most Netflix subscribers as it is one of their top most watched Netflix movies of all time. So all of that uh, being under the belt, they have announced the second movie, so a sequel to Enola Holmes. And, of course, this does help because there are about there are five books on which the uh, series is based on. So there's a series by Nancy Springer, five books in that, and so they've got plenty of material that they can either use or cherry-pick from to make however many movies they like, I suppose. So the first was based on the book The Case of the Missing Oh, I'm going to really show myself as a peasant here. Marques? Marques? Marques. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, made my way over that one. Whew. And so the <laughs> the uh, sequel will probably be based on uh, another one of the Springer books and pick up on a little bit of a thread that they left hanging for us at the end of the first movie. So they did kind of suggest that there might be more films in the franchise and we will be seeing the return of Millie Bobby Brown in the title role of Enola Holmes. So she does, of course, play the younger sister of Sherlock. And Henry Cavill will be returning as this incarnation of Sherlock. Not some people's favourite, but I do like that actor, and so I'll be interested to see what he can do in the sequel. And then, of course, we also have the return of the director of the first film, Harry Bradbeer, and the writer of the first film, Jack Thorne. So that should be something to look forward to. There's no release date for that. They haven't filmed it. All they've done is say, yep, we're doing it. And I think all of these guys have been busy filming other bits and pieces like Stranger Things 4, for one. Uh, So we probably won't be seeing this one on our Netflix smart TVs until probably next year at some point in 2022. So pretty pumped for that one. Henry Cavill. Well, he's put Mm. on his... um on his socials feed, that he would be working on a reboot of the Highlander franchise. Really? According to him, at least, you know. So he, he is such a big geek. I feel like Henry Cavill would be just such a great guy to have a conversation with because he loves his swords and fantasy and all of that because he was very into The Witcher before he got the role of Geralt. And I know he's a big PC gamer nerd. I feel like he's now just chasing down all the dream roles he wanted as a kid. <laughs> now, I myself would have thought that that particular franchise had been mined out by five <laughs> five live action feature films, two live action television series, including one fairly long running one, an animated television series, an anime Ooh. movie, and wow. also a bunch of books and comic books and just about everything you could think of. A, a flash flash animated series as well. Um, wow! Just, and I'm thinking, obviously, when they were saying. 
there can be only one. It was more in the line of a guideline rather than an actual rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I actually haven't watched anything Highlander, and so this is maybe the thing. I know Rob's got a look of shock on his face. I reckon this is it. They're trying to capture the new audience like me. I'm their key market. They know Cavill will draw me in if, if indeed this is to come to pass. Well, yeah, if the cavalry comes to the rescue, um, <laughs> I, I would say just go and watch um, Russell McKay's original Highlander movie. There's various yeah. various cuts of it. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I went through all this when when I was talking about Sean Connery's fantasy movies, yeah, and and science fiction movies actually, because Highlander actually qualifies as both at a sort of time. So yeah, just watch that one, um, and then maybe watch uh, some episodes of the. But then this is going to be all rebooted, so you don't bother. Just ignore it all. Exactly. Just <laughs> jump on the new train that comes along because there's always a reboot in the works of something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yet to be seen if some of the other folks will return for the sequel of Enola Holmes. I'm assuming maybe some Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Sam Claflin will hopefully return as Mycroft, but that is yet to be officially confirmed. So we shall see what happens with that. So that's my first little bit of Netflix news. I will roll into my second bit of Netflix news, which was something I did not know they were working on. And I think it's because it's something they've acquired, uh, but it popped up on my YouTube feed. Now it was a trailer for a Fear Street series. So Ooh. Fear Street is a series of books by R.L. Stein. So he wrote a lot of horror for teens and young adults, goosebumps and so on. Now his Fear Street series is for slightly older readers. It's teen horror, a little bit more mature and sort of was around the traps about the 90s. So this is firmly in nostalgia territory. So we'll be receiving three movies that are going to drop on Netflix. So the tag for this is three movies, three weeks, one killer story. So it is a trilogy. And from what I can tell, the stories are all going to be somewhat linked, but also different. So definitely check out the trailer. So Netflix is going to release these over three weeks in July. So we will be getting on July 2nd, the first film that is set in 1992. The second film comes out on July 9, which is set in 1978. And then the third film comes out on July 16, and that one is set in 1666. So sounds pretty cool to me. So I think the first film is going to be about some teens, like a bit of a small town teen slasher vibe. The second film is set as a summer camp called Camp Nightwing. So I think we've got some retro 70s camp vibes going on there. And then the third one is a colonial town and a bit of a witch mayhem hysteria hysteria going on there, which is all going to sort of have repercussions throughout the rest of the story. Now, the three movies have the same director, Lee Janiak. So she has done some episodes of the Scream TV series. So horror and slasher is not new for her. And she also did a thriller film called Honeymoon with Rose Leslie, who we know from Game of Thrones, amongst other things. As far as I can tell, Lee is I only got a couple of things under her belt, so I'm really keen to see these films. And from the trailer, I think that it's, yeah, it's going to really give us some of the good R.L. Stein nostalgic 90s vibes. Uh, those books sort of, yeah, there was a reboot. He started writing more in the early 2000s and he started writing even more around 2014. So I didn't realise there was some later R.L. Stein books. So hopefully it'll be interesting because there'll be people of my generation and maybe some newer 
people who read some of the more recent titles. So generally the stories are a bit paranormal. Some of them are just straight up murder mysteries, but the some of the faces that we might see in these films, Maya Hawke, who was in Stranger Things 3, she appears in the trailer. Sadie Sink, who's also in Stranger Things Season 3, she does pop up as well. And on the list uh, on IMDb, I saw Gillian Jacobs, who we know from Community. She's also got a role too. So not sure what to expect there, but I'm certainly excited. They really uh, captured my eye when I saw that trailer pop up. I didn't know this was something that was being worked on. So yeah, Fear Street series coming out on Netflix in July. And speaking of horror um, and books. Yes. Yes. Okay. In the 1930s, there was a a full-length mystery werewolf story that was written by a young author called Murder at Full Moon, Mm -hmm. and it was rejected for publication. Mm Mm-hmm. And for 90 years, it's been sitting in the archives, unpublished. Wow. Now, you would just normally say, well, so what? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. The author was John Steinbeck. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have a- Great mic drop, Rob. (laughs) So we have a genre novel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by John Steinbeck just sitting away there. Wow. And there's- um, pressure to have this published upon the uh, Steinbeck estate. It's a 233-page mm-hmm. manuscript, and mm-hmm. it's been stuck in the uh, archives at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that I'm rather excited about this. Yeah. It's, it's set in a, um, a Californian coastal town, mm-hmm. and why do I think that Veronica Mars should show up? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, there's some murders. There's a full mm-hmm. moon. Great, um, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just got like everybody in it, like a uh, a cub reporter, um, somebody who seems to have some knowledge of the werewolves, who runs a local Ooh. gun club. You've got an Ooh. amateur sleuth who's who's obsessed with pulp fiction crime novels. It's the 1930s, so yeah, yeah. And it's even, how is this, it's even got illustrations by Steinbeck. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, this is smack dab in the middle of the Venn diagram of my interests. Yeah. So, you know, California noir detective fiction, but before that actually sort of ramps up. Yeah. And, you know, I think, oh, this is going to be so cool. Um, but, you know, there, there is resistance from the estate saying we don't mm-hmm. want to e- exploit the author's mm. works beyond, beyond what he already had. But, you know, do it. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've got two guaranteed purchases right here. Yeah. And, of course, um, you know, we've had some Ernest Hemingway novels, bits and pieces come out afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've actually read a, a John Steinbeck, I will call, call it novel, but it's kind of a translation plus that he uh-huh. did of um, Thomas Mallory's Le Morte d'Arthur. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is um, this is Steinbeck's Arthurian novel called The Act, uh, the Acts of King Arthur and His Noble Knights. Yeah. And he sort of did it in more contemporary style, but it's the same stories that Mallory told. Uh, you know, so this one, this rocks my world. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> it's it's crazy to think what kinds of things are in archives or in, you know, lost to the world that never saw the light of day for whatever reason and, Look, yeah. You know, like technically speaking, there may very well be a good reason why this was never published. It, well, yes, it could be. It could be god-awful, but we don't know that and we, you know. It, it might be like that prequel to um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yes, Go Set a Watchman. Yeah, yeah, which wasn't a great read, actually. Yes, I had heard that. I didn't read it myself. Mm. But I do have a track to head us into. I have a final tidbit, but I'd like to play a track first to get us a little bit in the mood. So this is actually a track called Darkness, and it is the full version of it, and this is by Jeff Russo, and I will explain it after I play it. This is Jack Dan, author of Bad Medicine for Zero G, the science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio show on 3 R FM. That was Darkness by the composer Jeff Russo, and I played that is because it is from the Legion soundtrack. So Russo has actually done some music for quite a lot of very interesting TV shows uh, that we love here on Zero G. So he did music for Fargo, Picard, Star Trek Discovery, Umbrella Academy, and Altered Carbon, as well as Legion. And he said for this he wanted a very psychedelic feel, which really fits with the vibe of Legion, which is a show that I've started watching a little bit of. And so I was a bit sneaky with Rob. I said, I've got a little bit and bob to mention, but it's sort of a mini intro (laughs) current thoughts. Now, I'm not very far in Legion, so it's not a full-on exploratory review, but I thought I would just flag it as something that I've really been enjoying. So I am a bit behind the eight ball because Legion has released three full seasons and that is all of the seasons we will be getting. And I am only just starting out on them now. Uh, It is an FX series and it is uh, Marvel television and FX production production. (laughs) And as such, it is a little bit tricky to find. So I did actually purchase this to buy on the Google Play Store. You can get it on iTunes and things as well. So just as a note now, before you get too excited, it is quite hard to get on streaming. You might have to rent or buy it digitally. But in my opinion, it is well worth it. So the series is Legion and it is a Marvel Comics piece and it is based on the character, a mutant called David Haller, also known as Legion. Now, David is played by Dan Stevens, and we do have a few other faces that pop up in this series as well, like Jermaine Clement and Aubrey Plaza. And yes, yeah. So the season starts with uh, David in a psychiatric facility, having been diagnosed with schizophrenia since he was a young boy. So this is kind of an X-Men story, but really it is much more than a lot of different takes on the superhero TV show or movie that I've seen before. And I think it does really stand out as a really interesting way of telling this kind of story. And it's not that surprising because the showrunner of the show is Noah Hawley. Now we know Noah Hawley quite well because he did, of course, the Fargo TV show. And he's got a couple of really interesting things in the works coming up. Apparently he's working on a limited series of Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. And he's also working on something that fits into the Alien franchise. And there'll be some... um, work with Ridley Scott on that as well. So they'll be working on that together. He did also do a movie in 2019 called Lucy in the Sky about the astronaut Lisa Nowak. Uh, Natalie Portman was in that one. Have you seen that one, Rob? No, but I do know of it. 
Yeah, I'm intrigued because I didn't hear much about that film at all, but I think Hawley is quite, you know, he's a bit of a critic's darling, so I'm surprised. Maybe maybe it wasn't very good. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, as soon as I saw Hawley was the showrunner of this, I was interested because I love the Fargo TV show. Wonderful, wonderful show. And similarly, Legion is also incredible, and it does have a very good uh, critical response. If you believe things like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, it does quite well on there. Uh, as I mentioned, there are three seasons that are all sort of out and finished. Like this is a thing that is done. Uh, so it's about 27 episodes across those three seasons. Uh, for me, I I thought it was incredible. So I'm not, I haven't finished season one yet, but even already it is going to have to do something pretty drastic to get me offside. Uh, it's quite immersive. It's pretty surreal. So it's very psychedelic. And I was not surprised to see that Hawley took David Lynch as one of his inspirations when making this. And uh, also some of the music is kind of inspired by wanting to get a bit of a Pink Floyd feel going on, which you might've picked up from a little bit of our droniness of the track that I played before. And it's quite gripping. I think the pace is really interesting. The characters are, it reminds me a lot actually of that series Maniac that we covered, Rob, the one that was on Netflix with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. So there is a little bit of similarity in vibe there. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think it's quite unexpected. So, you know, we love the MCU and I love the MCU TV shows uh, and you know, I love all of that kind of approach and the X-Men films as well, which, you know, Fox did. So it was separate to kind of the MCU, especially kind of the newer X-Men films. But this again is kind of a very different take. And I think it does have more of a broader appeal perhaps to people who might not go along and watch maybe one of the Marvel films, but they might find that this engages them because it comes a bit of a sci-fi psychedelic angle as well. So, you know, I think people... I think it might have a bit of a broader appeal, basically. I think um, there's a lot to like about this. And it was described by someone who worked on it. They wanted to try and achieve a breaking bad of superhero stories. So that kind of set, I mean, that's ambitious, very ambitious, but it kind of sets up a little bit of what they're trying to do there. And so I think even if you haven't really heard much about, because I didn't know much about Legion, I hadn't really, I'm not familiar with the character at all. And so I just started watching it. I mean, to be honest, those Metacritic reviews did help (laughs) engage me to think it might be worth a go. And so far I have really loved it. So where do you find it, Megan? So that one you're going to have to get on something like your Apple Music or Google Play Store. Uh, You can rent or buy. I'm hoping that it will appear on a streaming service sometime soon, but because it's a bit of a shame. I wish this was more easily available because it is excellent. So you're going to have to do a little bit of Googling to find out where you can get this and maybe drop a little bit of coin on it. Yeah. But I am certainly already getting my money's worth out of it. So, My God, we've got so many deep cuts on the superhero mythos on television. At the moment. We've got The Boys, Umbrella Academy, this one. Yeah. WandaVision. Yeah. It's It's great. Like, and I think they're so unique, like so many different ways of telling that kind of story. And I think it really shows that there are fresh takes and there are, I mean, that's what we felt with WandaVision, right? We were like, wow, this is so new and unexpected. There's still things that can surprise us. And yeah, so Legion, highly recommend that. And I'm going to keep watching it. And um, yeah, so, so that's that. Things that we've 
keeping uh, our eyes out for and things that we have been watching include the Resident Alien series, which we waxed lyrical mm-hmm. about last week. Uh, I cannot praise that too highly. I've watched the whole first season, as it awesome. were. Um, this is the Dark Horse comic based television show that's on uh, nine now nine now nine now yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> I was always going to say nine nine but not quite <laughs> <laughs> nine now and um this is the alan tudyk space vehicle and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. glorious it just ramps up so much we already discussed this Ooh. last week it pushes mm-hmm. even further than i thought it was going to go there's a Great lineup of guest stars if you're into genre, which I imagine you must be if you're listening to Zero G. (laughs) Uh, You know, oh, just so good. And, Megan, you'll be so pleased to know that at one stage it all comes down to kids riding on bicycles through a small town. (gasps) (laughs) Yes, my favourite. If it hadn't already hooked me, I have to watch it for that. I have to finish out the season. (laughs) And the police procedural goes places I hadn't expected it to. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, if you like an alien, my favourite Martian Lynchian comedy mm. series out of the Sci-Fi Channel, oh, this is uh, Resident Alien. Watch it. And, <laughs> and we forgot to mention that the title sequences of each episode are made up of um, alien, what would you call them? You know the cards that you get on aeroplanes that instruct you on mm, emergency mm. procedures, the little flash yeah. flashcards? Well, this is made up of ones for aliens. Yeah, of how to properly, uh, you know, uh, pretend to be the human. <laughs> i just tell you one. Um, it's got an alien goes up to a little girl who's holding an ice cream, mm-hmm. knocks the top of the ice cream off, little girl starts crying, alien collects little girl's tears and drinks them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So funny. All right. uh, But enough of that. You can go back and listen to last week's episode of Zero G if you want to know more about that series, Resident Alien. Now, speaking of aliens, I don't know what they must be making of Eurovision (laughs) out there in space. It's that time of year again. (laughs) But there is always a song that is prime Zero G fodder. And in this, this year's competition, it's 10 years it's by Icelandic singer uh, Teo Freya and his band Gaganag Magnio. <laughs> oh, Rob! <laughs> you know how you know how you get people who eviscerate language. <laughs> I'm like the viscerator. I just go in and stuff random vowels back <laughs> into its tummy. Anyway, they uh, the song 10 Years, which I think is about relationships or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. uh, it represented Iceland in this year's Eurovision Song Contest in Rotterdam or however many people are actually able to get there, you know, the whole mm-hmm. COVID thing. And check out the music video for this 10 Years song because it's so genre. Uh, they're, in, in, they're in there in their space costumes. There's a kaiju fight. You know, it's got it all. Uh, little people flying on sky bikes, which actually look like dodgem cars, just masked in. It feels yeah. it feels very ninety-ish um, and also seventy-ish mm-hmm. at the same time. It's just totally retro. So it's ten years, and uh, of course they put out a single. So we've got it here right now. Excellent. 
This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. <laughs> ah, bopping away to 10 years, which is by <laughs> Taui Og Gaganamagnio. <laughs> Sorry. Best intentions, best, best intentions. <laughs> yeah. These, these Icelanders, they're going to think I'm trolling them. <laughs> well, anyway, it's the uh, 2021 Icelandic representational song for Eurovision. Bless them. <laughs> <laughs> it is full-on retro sci-fi. There's always one at Eurovision, mm-hmm. and that is the one. And I urge you, your life will not be complete until you check out the music video for that on YouTube or your streaming service near you. <laughs> All right, now on to A Quiet Place Part 2. In fact, I'm going to speak so softly you're not going to hear my because (laughs) This is now an ASMR channel. (laughs) Yes, yes. Whoa. Okay. Now, you may remember, if your memory has not been completely Swiss-cheesed by the pandemic, Mm -hmm. back in 2018, we got the movie A Quiet Place, mm-hmm. and that was the written and directed by John Krasinski film. Mm. And it had it had that great high, <laughs> I was going to say high culture. It just had that mono theme that we've been discussing quite a bit of on Zero G. You know how when they uh, had that high concept. Yes. Where they're just doing one big thing in the movie mm-hmm. or the television show and they just drill down into that so far. Yeah. And in this case, it's alien monsters attack Earth and seed themselves around the place and will kill you if you make too loud a sound. Mm-hmm. That's it. A quiet place. It's on the tin. Yep. And it was a bloody good film. An excellent mm. monster film when we saw it back then. And then they started working on a sequel because it was so successful. And it yeah, was, surprise hit. Yeah. And the film was going to have its world premiere in New York City on March 8, <sighs> 2020. Mm-hmm. And then the apocalypse hit, for real. Mm. And amongst many consequences of that was that this film was delayed. So now it's getting a release. And it will also be uh, on Paramount Plus 45 days after its theatrical debut because, you know, yes. it's, a, it's a big world. Some places are still wracked by the pandemic. And by the way, here in Australia, we're not over it yet. No, so no, we're not out of the woods at all. Put your goddamn mask on, <laughs> is what I say. Mm. Now, this is the thing. About 360-odd days ago, Mm -hmm. I was walking down the street. I would have got the funniest looks from everyone I meet, except I didn't meet anyone. Mm. And by the side of the road in my stomping grounds was a bus. Mm. Bus was empty. Street was empty. Mm. I was empty. (laughs) And on the side of the bus was the advertisement for A Quiet Place 2, which Mm -hmm. didn't materialise. And so here it is now. And the ironic thing 
is that we've had a whole year of living through this pandemic where we've had some very particular precautions just as they have to take in a quiet place. So we've had masking and social distancing and working from home and the whole thing. And I tell you, watching this new movie in the cinema sent chills up my spine. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I had my COVID cravat pulled up over my face to keep me warm. (laughs) So, yeah, I went to the cinema and that still is not getting old. (laughs) <laughs> saw the trailer for the new Black Widow movie, which, <laughs> as you know, I'm so stoked to see, even yeah. even though I was waiting for Gatto all that time <laughs> and, and got her female-led superhero movie. Mm-hmm. That's the one I'm really hoping to see. <laughs> so there I was watching A Quiet Place too. It is brilliant. Mm. Still directed by Krasinski. Excellent. And uh, I've got to say, Michael Bay is a good producer for this. Oh. You know, there are other people involved, but it works. This whole film works. Yeah. And, you know, it's got the same tense power that the first one did. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chronologically speaking, it picks up right up after the first one ends, one of those sort of Okay. Ones. So you could right. actually go and see it as a double. I know it's playing in some cinemas, as a double with the first one. Yeah. You'd be pretty tensed out by the time you got out of these two, I tell you. Oh, you'd, you'd be on edge, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would not be very happy, I think. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. Um, so all of the surviving characters, not to give things away too much, from the first movie are there again. Mm-hmm. And we have one new character who we've seen many times before in genre. Actor Cillian Murphy. Yeah, love him. Distinct. Mm. Can't can't forget him. Last seen as the hapless bike courier in 28 Days Later. And, of course, he was in Breakfast on Pluto and he played the Scarecrow in the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was he in that other movie that um, uh, was set in space, Sunshine, in 2007? Huh. And, of course, now he plays the character of Emmett in A Quiet Place too. Oh, he's also in Peaky Blinders as well, I remember. Yeah, yeah, very, very core character there. He's in a good uh, aeroplane thriller called Red Eye, very underrated, mm. contained thriller with Rachel McAdams, but yes. And he plays a character who was a friend of the the hapless family in this story. Actually, I shouldn't call them hapless because they were amongst the survivors. Yeah. At least most of them were. Oh. <laughs> And, you know, here he is. Once again, we've got Emily Blunt putting in a star turn in this. Mm -hmm. So good in this film as the mother, basically. She's lovely. She can sing, she can dance, and she can, you know, run around in an apocalypse. What can't she do? Mm. And, you know, she wield a shotgun while she's holding a baby under one arm. That sort of stuff. And, again, though, Millicent Simmons playing... Reagan Abbott, the deaf daughter in the family, mm-hmm. she is brilliant. She steals this movie a lot of the times. And, you know, there's just such strength of character in her. And, you know, it's like the whole metaphor of having to be quiet in the movie, along with her condition, turns things mm-hmm. on its head mm-hmm. constantly in the film. And they do, mm-hmm. they do. They do play into that with their 
impeccable sound design as well. So we do get her oral point of view, as it were, every now and then when it's necessary. Uh, full credit to her for a, a beautiful performance in this film, as well as Noah Jute playing Marcus Abbott, the uh, young son in the story. I don't know who plays the baby. <laughs> Probably a future superstar. If you remember the gimmick from the first film, because babies cry. Mm, they, I've heard they do. Mm. And they muffle that cry because otherwise it would attract the monsters by putting the child mm. in a soundproof crib with an oxygen mm. bottle providing air for it, which becomes mm-hmm. a, a major plot point in this one as it did in the first one too. It is a scary damn movie. Ooh, had you on edge? Yeah, it did. Um, the, just the high tension that's developed in this is is in, is just tuned up to dare I say eleven in this one. <laughs> there are some logical extrapolations of events from the first one, and we get mm-hmm. some flashbacks in this to day one. Oh, that's always a that's always a nice uh, little gimmick, a nice little um, way to to show mm. the history. Mm. In a way, this is about the family coming to terms with the loss of one of the family members from the first movie and essentially having to develop new solutions to problems and Mm -hmm, and find mm -hmm. the depths of their own characters to cope with the really shitty situation that they've been thrown into. Yeah. I do appreciate learning a little bit more about the monsters, although... Not too much. It's pretty clear that they could throw in another sequel to this. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. And look, we've had a couple of movies that sort of play upon similar ideas, including one about sound, uh, The Silence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also Bird Box. Yes, the Sandy B film. Mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. And this one still is the top in that particular subgenre. Mm, okay. Yep. Yep. Now, we probably played the same track last time, um, and I think we'll play it again because that's what sequel means. (laughs) (laughs) Do the same thing but slightly differently. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we'll just go with uh, it's from A Quiet Place, number one, the Marco Beltrani soundtrack, and this is basically just like the song of the family. You could call it a theme song for the movie, that sort of thing, just to give you the mood. And it actually echoes the song that you played earlier, Megan, by uh, Russo. So it's got that same sort of feeling in a lot of ways. And I didn't know you were going to program that. So I feel like this is an echo of that, but we must make sure that the echo doesn't go on for too long or too loud. Exactly. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Well, of course there is. Zero G. There's us. There's us, yes. Your guide, guides for the apocalypse. Any apocalypse. Doesn't matter which one. In this particular case, it's the particularly quiet apocalypse of A Quiet Place Part 2, which we're discussing here on Free Triple R FM. All right. Mm. So that was a track called A Quiet Family from Marco Beltrami's soundtrack album for A Quiet Place, the original movie Mm -hmm. and here we are discussing the sequel which is a splendid horror movie you know i mean we're talking about um as good as uh, a relationship as us has to Mm -hmm. get out you know that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and that's not a sequel or anything but you know still great Mm -hmm. horror movies krasinski knows his stuff 
Yep. And he lets us know it too. Fine casting, great sound design, which is very important for this yep. mono-themed oral adventure. And it's nice to find out more about the aliens, as I was saying before. I do wonder that the whoever bioengineered them as weapons, because that's clearly what's got to be going on here. Mm. It's like, mm. you know, I, I have no reason to speculate too much because I haven't gotten any information to know. But somebody didn't like the Earth. <laughs> or at least the infestation of earth by anything that makes a noise wow and they sent these horrendously fast ripper aliens to wipe us all out i wondered why they didn't make them so sensitive to noise that they could hear a human heartbeat because that would mean it was all over for us and then i realized that if they were that sensitive they wouldn't be able to walk around yeah yeah and then there'd be no moving yeah <laughs> As we saw and heard in the first film, if you hit in a waterfall, the sound of the water would drown out any other sounds and the aliens couldn't hear you. So that mm -mm -mm. Would, you know, uh, I, I actually work through that in my own head. And that's one of the, the values of this kind of procedural movie, when the audience starts sitting there and discussing afterwards, you know what, what if, or how does that, you know, that, you know, yeah. that, that, and they're not going, oh, that would never work, but it's like, oh, you know. Yeah. Mm, mm. Gets you thinking. That's that's all I, I, I want from a good apocalypse movie. Mm. Here we are in the darkness again. <laughs> Zero mm. G. Or at least in the in the quiet world of A Quiet Place Part 2. And this is actually in the cinemas at the moment, and I do believe mm -hmm. it will be coming to streaming surfaces not too long after this. So, you know, they're having mm -hmm. a bet both, both ways now in our new situation that particular track was by marco beltrami that we played before and it reminds me very much of ron crane's soundtrack for the amiga man the charlton heston mm -hmm, apocalypse mm -hmm. movie it's got some of the same sort of bell-like chimes in it and i wonder if that's deliberate because these people are clever <laughs> you know <laughs> all right so i think that's probably going to be about it for zero g for today we're getting mm. into the zone ourselves a Quiet Place 2 at cinemas now, and a cinema is actually the best place for it, really, with the sound design of this. I was going to say, I think you probably get a lot out of it doing it in that kind of environment rather than, like, in the background at home while you're doing the dishes. <laughs> and and I don't know, if you going home from this, uh, I was moving real quiet too. <laughs> <laughs> Sign of a good movie when you can't shake it off after the credits roll. Yeah. I think that's a um, pretty good review. But I, I was sitting there with my mask on. Because I can't, mm. I can't shake that habit at the moment. And I see, I have no reason not to. In fact, I wear a mask so often. You think that I was like some extraterrestrial being who's used to going around pretending to be a human, you know? Fancy that! <laughs> All right, so I think we'll go out today with our Bowie song. Mm -hmm. In which case we're going to use Sons of the Silent Age mm -hmm. and, you know, more or less appropriate or at least as appropriate mm -hmm. as we get here on Zero G, <laughs> science fiction, fantasy and historical radio. Now, I have been Rob Jan today. And I was Megan McHugh. Mm -hmm. And Kayla Larson is still she who makes our podcasts and makes them very well mm -hmm. too, I think. Thank you, Kayla. Mm -hmm. And you can find those at rrr.org. Dot au. And Joe Brunatic is coming up next with Astral Glamour. Until next week. Shh. 
G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.